says a lot about character, but also like we can talk about character in the first half as well, right? <laughs> That's always fair, fair to say, but it's not easy to come back from uh, from um, double digits at the halftime and then find a way and energy to win the game. And uh, we just gotta learn what it takes to 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 get going from the jump ball from from the from the start of the game. Fan morning show, Sports Time 59, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. That is Raptors head coach Darko Ryakovich. His, his team completes the fourth biggest comeback in franchise history, down 23 points. They beat the Wizards 111 to 107, thanks to a 22 to 1 run to end the basketball game, making the Wizards look inept. There were plenty of games mm. last year in the second half where the Raptors looked as inept as the Wizards did offensively. This yep. is a Wizards team that's a bottom five team in the NBA in defense. My question to you, Brent, mm. and a, a great story on the game yesterday uh, on sportsnet.ca by our own Michael Grange, who rightly points out like a Monday mm-hmm. night game in Toronto between the Wizards and Raptors, not exactly one that gets the juices flowing, and it ended up being a hell of a basketball mm-hmm. game where there was every yeah. indication it was not going to be. Yeah. My question to you, mm. is it better to have a big deficit against a team that you're better than and come back and win it than to like, oh, you know, like it's just a classic doing just enough to win mm-hmm. and a one-point game yeah, the yeah. whole way through. And, hey, guess what? The better team won in the end because they have more competent players. What's better? Like is there is there an argument to be made that it's actually beneficial to, to be down 23 points because you complete the comeback and it feels more emotionally satisfying than – beating the Wizards by a couple of points in a back-and-forth nip-and-tuck game? I can hear that argument, but in order to do that, I have to shove down my disgust that they found themselves in that place to begin with. I Like, I get it. It's Monday. I get it. It's the Wizards. I get it. You're back from a long road trip. Who do you think you are to say it's the Wizards mm-hmm. to anybody? This Raptors team hasn't proven a thing. They just got oh. the wheels beat off them by a Celtics team on the weekend. Who, yeah. They're really good. But guess what? You should be treating the Wizards like you're the Celtics. So I can understand. I can hear the idea if you're trying to build something and you want to have galvanizing wins on a one-off. Sure, I can get that. But I have to push down the disgust I have for the start of that game. Also, quickly, I'm a big fan of covers. Love love when an artist covers a song. It was great oh. to hear Darko's version of Babcock's Gotta Start on Time. I just really <laughs> liked it. His is like a little bit longer, more soulful, yeah. uh, but I did like uh, his cover there. Well, you were doing your best Rick Tockett. You're like, who are we to think that we're anybody? Well, guess what? Uh, Rick Tockett, <laughs> generally speaking, right when it comes to that. who until Until you are the Lightning, until you are the Warriors, you are nobody. So yeah. who do you think you are to take your foot off the gas and show up like that against a Wizards team? Again, they took care of business. We don't have to belabor the point too much, but I'd be lying to you if that wasn't my forget prevailing only thought about mm. last night's game of how dare you? Yeah, they've done it now twice in the last couple of games. They did it in San Antonio. It was a bigger deficit uh, and a more impressive comeback against a team that's off to a better start, but obviously mm-hmm. limited in San Antonio, they got one guy who's unlimited as far as potential and also height. Um, but they came oh, back I mean, from limited height. No, it's unlimited. You I don't know. He's, he's still gr- growing. You think so? He, he, can't he? Mm. He's only 19, it's a right? Great question. 
Do you imagine that it's like him growing two more inches is what undoes him? Yeah. It's like he was totally coordinated yeah. at seven four, but at seven six, yeah, it's too much. Uh, so they did that against the Spurs, and they did it against a bad Wizards team. I, I honestly, over the course of an eighty-two game regular season, like if you're able to oh, you're do going it, going soft, no, no, Come if on, you're hold able, hold up to a No, 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 I am. <laughs> okay. If they don't win the game, uh, okay, okay, then it's nightmaresville that you you can't. Yeah, that you think you're somebody that you don't need to to show the appropriate intensity in the first half of these basketball games. You put pressure on yourself. Mm. Like the conversation, the discussion, the questions being asked of you, if you lose, get blown out by the Spurs, get blown out by the Wizards. Again, mm-hmm. a team that is, what, 29th in the NBA, I think, in opponent's field goal percentage. You get blown out on your home court mm-hmm. by the freaking Wizards because, what, you're out OG Ananobi? The, the questions are... I get it. This is not a team with championship aspirations, but that's a team that you have to beat if you want to be a play-in tournament team or beyond in the Eastern Conference, more than 41 wins. To have that type of pressure on yourself and then to come back, again, like go back to some of the the, the games in the second half of last year mm-hmm. that resulted in them only winning 41 games. They built some leads and they frittered them away because they couldn't score in the final quarter. Mm-hmm. They, they, they played the role of good team. There's quite often... Good teams in the NBA over the course of 82 games in six months where, yeah, they look disinterested because Mm -hmm. they are somebody, because they rightly believe that they are somebody. The Raptors aren't, to your point. But, yeah, if you you finish the job, kudos to you. It's it's a results game, baby. (laughs) And they won. It is, and you do have to give them credit, but you also have to point the finger and go, how dare you, at the at the start of that game. I mean, again, like, just look at what's coming up ahead of them. They have a Bucks team who, okay, maybe they're not quite what we thought they were, but let's not let's not undercut how def- difficult a game that's going to be. They have the insert, in-season tournament game against the Celtics. Then they have the Pistons after that. It just seems like with those two tough games coming out, you are coming up, you would have just liked to seen them kind of really round into form like use that one as the tune-up it should be and i suppose maybe they did in the back half of that game but you're right like results oriented business give them credit for it but i i think over the course of a season if this becomes a habit for this team it ain't gonna be a habit of coming back it's gonna be a habit of of digging themselves a hole and being unable to dig out of it here's the other thing that you can do though like next time they go down 20 points at halftime you can point to a couple of times this season where they've come back from it so yeah I think as long as they're playing two of the worst teams in the league, they can come back for me. You're right. You know, you're right. You're hundred percent right. Like when in on Sunday, November 19th, when mm-hmm. they play the most Raptors game of all time at 4 PM at home against mm-hmm. the Pistons. Ooh, yeah. When they, when exactly. they inevitably dig a 30. hole. Yeah. Guess what? They can point to that because guess what? <laughs> it's the Pistons. But when they dig a hole against the Celtics or against the Bucks, ain't going to look that way. Just telling you they're, they're not anybody. I, I get it. Like they're they're not. They're five and five, and they, they needed a twenty plus point comeback to beat the Wizards. Philadelphia seventy sixers are somebody. Now ho- hold on one second. I do. I this isn't going to happen, but I would love if the if this made its way to the Raptors and then they go full that guy from bowling of who do you think you are? Yeah. I am. It Sorry, won't happen. Yeah. Raptors. You know you're not anybody now. Like maybe you can emerge at the end of the season as somebody. See, but... you know, we both go back to Simpsons all the time. What's this feeling? Pride? Hold, mm-hmm. hold on. Less, Less shame. shame. Yeah. Less shame. Yes. <laughs> so they beat the Wizards. Less shame for the Raptors. Five hundred, which is oh, again. If you told me the Raptors would be five and five after losing that Portland game mm. before yes. the Bucks game, considering the road trip that was in front of them, mm-hmm. I'd be. 
I, I certainly would have wagered against it. So they're, they're five and five, as is everybody in the Eastern Conference, except for the Philadelphia 76ers, who without James Harden have now won eight in a row. James Harden, quite notably, yet to win a game with the Los Angeles Clippers. A good time in the season, I think, to do a little check-in on how the divorce is mm-hmm. going between Nick Nurse and the Toronto Raptors. Again, yep. Malachi Flynn, to me, yeah. and you can disagree with this, is the embodiment of the disagreement between the front office and the head coach. There's mm-hmm. a multitude of different things. It was just like, yeah, playing guys, extended minutes yeah. over the course of a regular season, wearing guys out. But yeah, th- those are kind of related because mm-hmm. he wore them out because he had no faith in his bench, yep. which I think we understood to a degree, but... We didn't have a ton of information about Malachi Flynn. We're starting to mm-hmm. learn more early in the season. It looked like Nick Nurse was going to be proven correct. But all of a sudden, Malachi has been a more reliable force. He's hitting some threes. He's able to keep himself on the floor with his defense. He was mm-hmm. on the floor in the dying minutes of a comeback win over, again, a bad Wizards team. But he was there. He was. He earned his spot in the closing yes. lineup of a Raptors victory, which is something that I'm sure Nick Nurse... <laughs> did not envision through 82 games a season ago, but it doesn't affect him. And he still has disdain for it. He woke up in a cold sweat and yeah. didn't understand why <laughs> what's happening. <laughs> All right. How do you evaluate the divorce okay. right now? Here's the analogy. Here's what it is. I, as soon as you text me this last night, I spent a lot of time thinking about this. Good. Uh, and here's what it is. Here's the Raptors. Okay. They've had their divorce. It threw them. Okay. Like they, they, they got rocked a little bit. They had to find a new place to live. They had to, you know, like maybe they had to buy a new car, but, they're eating healthier. They're going to the gym. They're investing in their friendships. They've got more hobbies now. And as long as you just worry about yourself, they're going in a great place. The only problem with that is that their ex is dating a rich hot guy. That's the problem here. And that's Nick Nurse. It's like, if you just worry about yourself, you should be very happy with how the divorce is going. Yeah. You're moving in the right direction. You're building better habits. It's not so much yelling in the house anymore. <laughs> Boy, this sounds familiar for a lot of people, I'm sure. But you cannot allow yourself to worry about what the other party is doing because it's like living in a mansion on South Beach, no longer working. That's what the divorce feels like. And not to say Nick Nurse isn't working, but it's just... He's living the dream. Yeah. He's got the MVP. They're the best team in the league right now. Championship aspirations. They have got rid of the thing that has been infecting them for all of this time in James Harden. So mm-hmm. that's the way I look at it. Raptors doing awesome. Just don't just worry about yourself. Don't, don't worry about Nick Nurse. Because if you compare the situations, not going to like it. Yeah, if you're that's a great analogy. And if you're the Raptors in this analogy, if you're good enough as a person to understand, yeah, to not comp- comparison is the thief of joy, right? Like if you're if you're, People tell me that every day. One day I'll listen. If you're smart enough to think about the best revenge is living well, to live your life yes. that way. God, you sound so wise when you say these things. There's, yeah, everybody's happy. Yeah. And, I, and I was dubious at the time where, you know, talking to Michael Grange, he's like, yeah, this is, this is kind of, it ran its course. And, you know, NBA head coaches, there's very, there's a reason why there's only one Greg Popovich, right? Yep. Like these things don't usually end amicably. And, uh-huh. and eventually the, the message runs hollow and, uh-huh. and everybody needs to go their separate ways and no hard feelings. And that's kind of what it feels like. Yep. Like Nick Nurse is doing a great job in Philadelphia, considering the circumstances, especially. And we'll see if it pays off. I mean, it's one thing to win regular season games, which the Sixers have been perfectly fine. Somebody doing. check on Joel Embiid's knee in April, also. Right.
why. So it's it'll be that's how his tenure in Philadelphia Nick will Nurse's, be decided. Uh, Nick Nurse's mansion that he's living in now might be built on crypto. That's the only problem. Yeah. Just to continue this analogy. But but he's so far so good. And Darko Royakovich, he's developing Scotty Barnes mm-hmm. into the next face of this franchise. He's getting something out of the bench players. He did not have Chris Boucher in the rotation to start the season. He's getting the belt yesterday as the player of the game. And Malachi Flynn is, yeah. is a thing. And and even Grady Dick, you know, hitting some threes. He's He's been uh, a bigger part of the rotation yeah. than I ever anticipated him being before game 10 of this regular season. It's a... a I don't know. Maybe this is a lame take, but like everybody seems happy. Everybody does seem happy just to throw one more um, wrinkle into the divorce analogy. The other interesting aspect of this as well, and I I feel like this has largely been, I shouldn't say forgotten, but it just seems so far away now. But during the FIBA World Cup, there was a lot of talk of, okay, hold on. Wasn't Jordi Fernandez involved in the search for the Raptors job? Are we sure they got the right guy. There was some belief that maybe Fernandez pulled himself out, that that wasn't the job he wanted. This is all a little unclear, but he was definitely in play at a certain point in time for the Raptors job. And I think a lot of people, and I don't know, I watched that tournament super closely. I don't know how front of mind it was for everybody, but I think a lot of people paid close attention to that tournament. were sitting there watching going, ooh, if that guy was available and the Raptors didn't get him, that feels like a miss. And I don't think anybody for one second, and this is no knock on the guy, he did an amazing job in that tournament, mm-hmm. is thinking about Jordy Fernandez for one second. And that just proves, again, the job that, that Coach Darko's done. I'm afraid to bring up Leafs topics this week because... You like, don't want me to start screaming. You're you you, you want, you're going to want a divorce from me if you bring it up. I'm okay, I'm not even going to say the country that they're currently in. Oh, you're going to bring the, up... The, the, the player, yeah, though, is like, from yeah, that country. Yeah. It's not only that he's from it. It's like if you close your eyes and picture Sweden, <laughs> it's like that's what comes to mind. And not like from a uh, Leafs perspective. It's just like he just looks so Swedish. He's blonde. He's yeah, like, and they won a world championship like... I mean, yeah. Well, that's a, if the Leafs ever win a Stanley Cup, will we compare the the World Championship celebration that the Swedish players oh. had to the way William Nylander might celebrate a Stanley Cup victory? Oh, that's Toronto Maple Leafs. I will be doing. You you say comparisons with Leafs Joy. There will be no comparison happening <laughs> when the Leafs ever win a cup. It'll just me be comparing uh, happy life to what was before then. Sodium pentothal yeah. for William Nylander, though, like. Yeah. Mm. All right. Uh, moving on. What are you doing? Do you want me to yell at you? <laughs> you how mad? You, actually, let's talk about Buddy, this quickly. Do you remember how ecstatic they were to yeah, win that course. thing? Of course. They put him on a stamp. He tackled his idol, Hank Lundqvist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah anyways, that's not where I wanted to go with I know, this you, thing. You're like, what if I could poke the bear a little more? <laughs> All right. Here's what I wanted to do. You're a good coach. Do. You're getting me in the right headspace <laughs> for this topic. Here's what Sweating I wanted so mad. to do. Here's what I wanted to do. Um... It's William Nylander contract uh, extension conversation time Mm. because of the vacuum of Leaf games. You got to talk about the Leafs in some capacity. Obviously. We just talked about Connor Timmons in the last hour, for God's sakes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This is more relevant. Let me do it again. (laughs) (laughs) This is more relevant. William Nylander, three points back of the Art Ross Trophy lead, three goals back of his teammate Austin Matthews, uh, in the Rocket Richard Trophy lead in his walk year, mm-hmm. talking contract yep. with Brad Treliving. The perception, honestly, uh, do the uncles exist that are still criticizing William Nylander? Hibernating. Like, where they're are not, they? No, are they ready to pop out? Like, do, I think it, it's like, uh, it's not hibernation, actually. It's mm-hmm. Ted Williams' head. 
Mm-hmm. They are frozen somewhere. But if they are given, if if William Nylander gives them enough prep time with like a slow 20 games heading into the playoffs, oh they God. will be ready. Okay. But right now, they, like they are home and cooled right now. Again, Ted Williams head. <laughs> He's had a point in every game this season. I know. I He's incredible. And that's <laughs> why they can't say a word. Uh, like, I don't, they actually, uh, they watched the first game and they mm. said, don't like this. <laughs> Freeze me. Wake yeah. me up when he stinks again. <laughs> well, they may be frozen for a while. But anyways, those guys, I, I think, largely have been tamped down. Like yeah. they, they, they got no ammo. That's for damn sure. If William Nylander signs an extension with the Toronto Maple Leafs team, uh-huh. here, here's how it's going to look. Sure. It's going to be below market value. Yes. 100. There is no debate <laughs> yes. that if William Nylander decides he wants to be a Toronto Maple Leaf, and that maybe doesn't trump all, but that's like a significant factor and it's worth a couple of million dollars. It's going to have to be mm-hmm. because if he goes to the open market, considering how few players of his ilk get there in 2023, 24, considering the production, considering the age, can he make Austin Matthews money? Like, why not? With with somebody with cap space, it won't be here in Toronto. Nope. If he wants to be a Toronto Maple Leaf, he will factually have to sign for Below market value. What's his perception in the market if he is arguably the first of the core four yep. to take less than his market value? It, it's impossible to state what it would do. I think that we have kind of got a little bit out of the, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, I don't feel like we look at it so much as a pecking order anymore. It's That's kind of taking care of itself. Everyone's just kind of in their own bucket to a certain extent, right? Like Matthews is clearly the best player. Marner's the local guy. Tavares is the captain and Nylander's like this enigma or whatever you want to call him. Like it does feel like the idea of, oh, where do you have him? Is he two? Is he three? Everyone's just kind of slotted into what they are. But I think the, and we heard the Freed report that he is open to potentially taking less, but he doesn't want to be the only one. The problem with that is that he has to believe another one's coming you know you could point to Tavares and say Uh he left money on the table Uh he did I wouldn't be surprised if William Nylander has literally the exact same decision to make you want to go get 14 from the Sharks because they were going to offer it to Tavares they were going to offer that to John Tavares who was a center who maybe was thought of as more of a complete player but didn't have a season like this heading into free agency so I think that there that will be out there for him the problem is is that Nylander is going to have to trust if that's the case, that somebody's going to follow. And the only someone who can follow is Mitch Marner. And I don't know how much there's an appetite there to take less. I think there's an appetite to take what appears to be a haircut, but is albeit a small one from him. I also think there's going to be hesitancy on Nylander's part to jump, to be the guy, to force other people's hands. But what would it do to his perception? It's impossible to understate what it would do. All we ever talk about with this team every day is the cap. The other part of it as well is that he gets to be the first one, right? Mm-hmm. If this happens, you know, I bandied about the, whoa, what if on what if he just signs on July 1 and him and Marner both take less via extensions? Who knows what either of those, Marner extending, Nylander signing, who knows what that looks like? Maybe that happens. But the other thing is that John Tavares is going to take less for this team again. Like, I, I think we'd all be shocked if there's not a very low cap hit deal coming for the captain after this one. So if Nylander wants to be that guy, it has to come via in-season extension, I think. Marner would be the guy, if I'm Nylander, that I would be, it would irk me to no end to be paid less than. Mm-hmm. 
Okay? Like, Marner's been close to 100 points, never cracked it, and yep. know, the, the season is not yet complete. But William Nylander scored 40 goals a season ago. He, he could very well score 50, have 100 points. He's also a winger. He also doesn't have the greatest goal scorer in the mm-hmm. NHL since he arrived at the National Hockey League playing totally. alongside of him on the same line as him. Now, John Tavares has been great and, uh, yeah, underrated point-of-game player since he signed the the 7 times 11 deal here in Toronto. But, yeah, that would be the one guy that I would – it would be tough to be here for another close to a decade and look over at Mitch Marner making more than me if I'm William Nylander. And granted, like, okay, there's things – you can make the argument that Mitch Marner overcomes the lack of goal scoring, and he's been a – 35-goal score, but that's not 40, and it's certainly not 50, but he does play in all aspects of special teams, Mm -hmm. and he is is a more 200-foot player, and yeah. But not not as much as we make it out to be. Like, sure. Marner's a better, Marner's a more responsible, better defensive winger. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to undercut that. Yeah, we got Selkie votes. Yeah, but we sometimes talk about it like William Nylander doesn't know that end of the ice anymore, and that's a very, very different thing. It's true. If I was William Nylander, I, it would be tough to abide by signing an extension that put me in a scenario where I was making less than Mitch Marner. So then he has to make $11 million a year because Mitch Marner is not taking a pay cut on his next deal and he makes ten nine. Yeah. So that's what happens. I mean, happen. what, what happens if, yeah, is that a pay cut for Mitch Marner? If, you know, in the world of inflation and yeah. understanding that the cap is only slightly going up. It hasn't gone up as much as certainly the Maple Leafs thought that it would when he signed that extension. So Mitch Marner, William Nylander making 10-9? There is, I'm telling you right now, there's no world that Mitch Marner signs for 10-9 on his next deal. You think he's going to walk into MLSE and say, oh my God, I love making this much money. Let's do it for eight more or five more. Because that is that is the one thing I'm pretty confident with Marner. I shouldn't say I'm pretty confident because we've been burned by this before. I think that that's the route he takes to get the goodwill or win over the fans or whatever. Is He, he goes the full term. I would be shocked if you don't see that with Marner because I think that will be his like, hey, there's no... I'm playing to get the best deal. Mm. I just want to be here. I took six last time. I'm going to take eight this time, mm. but it is not going to be below $11 million. I, I just like, how? How can you tell a guy who, again, like I have my I have my thoughts, but he's a 100-point guy. He's a selkie winger guy. Like, what are, we, what are we doing? You can't tell that guy he takes a pay cut at 27. Yeah. It's, it's As the cap awesome. goes up. The, the interpersonal dynamics are interesting to yeah. think about because, again, like... Well, and again, the, this is the Nylander's whole part going to have 50... Like, at, at the end of this season, yeah. he's going to be... I think he's going to be top 10 in, in Leaf franchise points mm-hmm. and goals, it's, yeah. it's, at least by the end of next season, if yep. he's still a Leaf next year. Yeah, and he scores goals. He's, he's doing it without Austin the, uh, Matthews. This part matters as well, is the, the playoff performance as well. That and guy's showing up all the time. Great, great, no great. over the gla- No puck over the glass penalties for him in the postseason. Nope. Uh, time now for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Formula One is in Las Vegas for the first time in over 50 years this weekend. They're going to have a race Saturday night, which is convenient for people in Europe. It's weird to see something happen in... But isn't it convenient? North America. But isn't that convenient for us too? Like, if you want to watch, like, do you want to watch a? I mean, the it's answer. at ten o'clock at night though. Here, okay. Saturday night. Yeah, but like, 
that's this time I watched the Oilers. So I can mix in some F1. That's fine. I actually can't because I no longer care about this sport. Here's what I wanted to get to. So so they're (laughs) in Las Vegas this weekend. It's the most expensive race on the F1 calendar, a calendar that includes Monaco Mm -hmm. and Paris. They have kings and princes and stuff. (laughs) It's the most expensive race to get into. The get-in price is 2000 bucks, or at least it was. Mm. Tickets still available at, at the face value rate, but you can get them at a 60% discount on the secondary market. Apparently, there's tons of hotel rooms available for this thing. They have swung and missed as far as the interest in Surprised. Formula One. This was a sport that was very much on the rise and still, like, from a metrics perspective, yeah. is 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 better than it was certainly five and ten years ago mm-hmm. as far as viewership, attention in North America, but I think here's what's happening, Brent, because I, and I fall victim to it. Mm. I used to be a guy that every weekend I would at least tape the the F1 race and yeah. watch it back throughout the course of the day. And I was interested and I was following the storylines. Mm. But this Who's is- Who's your guy? I didn't really have one. Mm. I, I I have trouble rooting for, you know, a, a, a rich guy from Monaco. Charles Leclerc right here. That's my guy. Yeah, the richest guy. And he's literally he's, from, he's from Monaco. Monaco. Yeah. He's too attractive. They're all very attractive. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, I want to be them. But yeah, it's uh, hard for me to <laughs> no, root I, for them. I realize he's the Leafs, is that he's right there and never wins a damn thing. Yeah. yeah. So I just need The Ferrari his. colors are beautiful. Beautiful. I was in on F1. And still peripherally, like, I'm understanding what's happening on a week to I feel yeah, no impetus. Very good, yeah. I feel no impetus to watch the race. Mm-hmm. He clinched the driver's title, like, weeks and weeks Uh-oh. and weeks ago. Like, okay. it's, it is over. <laughs> I think what's happened here is that you can try and sell the European thing to Americans if, like, the American thing is happening where there's a debate or there's a doubt mm. about who's going to win the championship once we get into, hey, this is the now the Premier League. This is what F1 was outside of like a couple of years that yep. coincided with Drive to Survive where it was Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen battling tooth and nail. This is generally what it's been like during the Michael Schumacher era and the Lewis Hamilton era mm-hmm. after him. That that's people in North America ain't gonna buy that. That, that you, you got to have some doubt about the top of the table. There's the doubt at the top of the table as well. But this is the thing also is that this was my problem I had with with F1 when I was into it, and there were other people who were into it, and I was having conversations. Is it feels like outside of like the odd, eh, this guy cut somebody off, and it maybe should have been a penalty. It's kind of hard to have a take on F1, like we in North America, and this all bleeds up from the States, but it's definitely becoming more part of our culture here. It's like, yeah, have a take. I'd like to agree or disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Give me your stance on this. Mm-hmm. And the idea of uh, cars very fast and this guy, he's in the fastest one. Like it is hard to, and obviously people who are much more involved in it, there's nuance, but for a casual person, I think this is part of the problem golf has sometimes of like, oh, okay, like Tiger's going to win. We can mm-hmm. get behind that. If it's anybody else, mm-hmm. uh, okay. Like what am I, what's the opinion? I really need I to know. know to have a stance on this. And I think honestly, that is the problem. Like we are just yeah. such a, a debate or like argument well, society. And what is there to debate about F1? I have the solution to this. And mm. the formula one doesn't need my advice. I, no, like, there's do. somebody, I think and there's somebody great. in England who's going to be offended. I was going to say idea. Azerbaijan. That's where they would be. But they have it. actually changed things up a little bit with these sprint races, which are like short little races that impact the standings and, and also impact um, pole position. Yeah. So there, there have been incremental changes over the years in formula one. Like, let's have a race where everybody uses the same car. Like, mm. I, why, why can't we do that? That seems like 
What what an incredible debate that would be well, if I everybody think, gets to use the same car. I think it's the same way that I'll just go back to the sport near and dear to my heart is the same way that um, Titleist and Callaway aren't signing up to only have tailor-made drivers on mm-hmm. on TV and mm-hmm. Mercedes or Honda or whoever makes. But well, we these can give everybody. Engines. We can give everybody their own race. Sure. Yeah, I'm still. You know what? Or we can have a, you, a, somebody you, who's not racing week to week, like they get to build a car for that week. Mm, much more. If you could tell me, this is like those old, like uh, there used to be this show, great family programming from when I was a child called Junkyard Wars, mm-hmm. where this is exactly what it sounded like. It's like you have to build a, a thing, go into this scrapyard, and figure it out. I very much would like to see that for an F1 show or an F1 oh. car. Just like, <laughs> and make the drivers build it. Yeah, and it's like Homer Simpson's car yeah. that they end up with. Like, Here's the silent uh. ball where your children can't reach you. Which, by the way, yeah. he was on some. Rough, rough times in Las Vegas. The Sphere's making no money. And what F- happened? Oh. Okay, I've never been more confused about the Sphere not making money because all I ever hear is yeah. people saying it's the greatest thing of all. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. the visuals I've no, seen from, like, the U2 concerts. And- you, you don't get money for, like, tweets and, like... People liking it, but but people didn't tweet. This, it's very like, expensive well, to, to operate s- a sphere. Well, but they like I imagine people gave you two, well, or Ticketmaster or whoever, like thousands of dollars yeah. to watch them in the sphere. At least a thousand dollars. You're right. At the very least, you got to be Bobby Axelrod <laughs> right. to get into that cost. All right, when we come back, is the Bills window already closed? We'll talk to Peter King of NBC Sports and Football Morning in America. Call him next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sports at 5.9 The Fan, Ben Adams, Brent Gunning, yet. Those fans shouting. Expletives, maybe. Yeah. No, I, I know we're we're now headed towards Grey Cup weekend, but no, the NFL, only 11 players on the field <laughs> at one time. Yeah, CFL snuck more out there, too. 13th <laughs> man on the field once upon a time. <laughs> yeah, that was a significant moment. Uh, Bills lose again. And uh, and now they're they have the same record as the Las Vegas Raiders, which is a wild, wild stuff. They are good for the Raiders. Yeah, good for, them. <laughs> good for them. But yeah, this is not where you thought a team with Super Bowl aspirations would be after uh, ten weeks of the NFL season. Let's talk to Peter King, NBC Sports and Football Morning in America. Good morning, Peter. Hey, good morning, guys. Does this mean that my Super Bowl pick of the Bills is looking a little bit grim right now? It's it's not ideal. We had that conversation though early on, like after the Jets <laughs> lost to open the season, uh, and and all the dramatics around Aaron Rodgers. They really did look like they were they were playing the part there. What the hell's happened here, Peter? They, like it, it's hard to not think that maybe the the window is already closed for this Bills team. Well, I ridiculed that thought maybe about five weeks ago in my column that. The window was closing. I here's what I think is going on right now. I mean, we can we can blame whoever we want for turnovers. You know, the the quarterback is the easy, uh, you know, whipping boy for the uh, you know for turnovers. But and and again, I do not absolve Josh Allen of the blame here. But his first interception, 
he threw the ball right into Gabe Davis's hands. And was it thrown like a, uh, you know, like an Aroldis Chapman fastball? Yes, it was. It was probably a little bit too hard, but you are a professional wide receiver and you have to catch that, period, end of story. So let's, you know, to me, this is about a team that has shown great promise over the last three or four years, but has some issues that are not easily fixed. And in my opinion, yeah, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for them to turn it around now because you just you just over and over and over again see the same thing. It's like, you know, I said in my column this week that I thought Zach Wilson should be benched. I understand he played better than at any time since the Kansas City game on Sunday. But I can't get the interception out of my mind when with the game on the line, right at the end of the game, he threw a mind-numbing interception to end the Jets' chances. And again, you are what you produce over and over and over again. And right now, the Buffalo Bills are a mistake-laden team, period. Yeah, the way I kind of look at it, and, you know, the Bills are, are one conversation. Josh Allen, obviously, super connected to that, but a, a slightly separate one. And the way I kind of look at Josh Allen is he's almost in the Dak Prescott zone for me. Of of course, this is a quarterback that is talented enough to win a Super Bowl, but and they come in slightly different flavors, and Dak's cleaned it up quite a bit lately to his credit, but it seems like that one mistake, the one forced pass is, is always lurking. Do you kind of look at those guys? In a, in a similar light, or do you, do you feel slightly differently about it, Peter? I think that's a great comparison. I think Josh Allen's a little better than Dak Prescott. Agreed. And you're right, Dak Prescott has totally turned it around this year. But, you know, Dak Prescott still has to win the big one, which he hasn't done. He The last two years in the playoffs, he has dropped it at the most important points. And, look, you look the same thing with Josh Allen. Everybody who watches him play this sport says, I mean, the vast majority of fans, I would think, in the league say, all right, I like him enough that I'll deal with the turnover bug. And I think this guy is a winning potential championship quarterback. But until he actually does it and until they stop with the turnovers, and again, look, I think the one thing in the wake of last night's game that I think would be a mistake is to basically say it's all Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I think one of the things that must be answered by Sean McDermott and this coaching staff is that in the biggest moment of the game, you had too many men on the field. You know, Josh Allen had a baseball cap on the sidelines watching that unfold. So you can't really put that on him. That's the biggest moment of this game. And somehow, some way, there were 12 men on the field. <clears throat> and, you know, I got a text this morning when I woke up from a coach in the NFL who told me essentially that he goes, what is so bad about that particular play is that 
everyone, there are 11 guys on your team, 11 guys who know that when it's time to play field goal defense or field goal block, everyone knows who those 11 guys are on the team. As he said, how possibly can a 12th guy be on the field and get confused at that moment? And that, to me, is absolutely, totally inexcusable and demands a full explanation. Like, if I'm a Bills fan, I don't expect the head coach to throw guy X, Y, or Z under the bus. Mm -hmm. I really don't. But it's almost one of those things. If you're a Bills fan, you spend a lot of money for your tickets or you watch every game, whatever it is. That is one thing that, to me, is absolutely, totally inexcusable. And I better hear some sort of explanation from the head coach of the Bills of exactly how that happened. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how this happened, but now like it's kind of relevant that the Broncos have the tiebreaker over the Bills in the AFC playoff. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. They're four yeah. and five. They're, they're right there. But yeah, clearly if the Bills miss the playoffs, some big changes are coming in Orchard Park, whether that's at least Ken Dorsey and maybe Sean McDermott. I'm also looking at that Giants team and, and Brian Dable winning a Coach of the Year award a season ago. Um, there's obviously some circumstances there, especially with the quarterback position, that it's not surprising to see them 2-8. and eight, But like the, the losses specifically to their division rival, the Cowboys, you, you do wonder if he's going to go from Coach of the Year to fire the next season. I don't know. I, I have this... This thought that maybe we see a reunion between Brian Dable and the Buffalo Bills, does it not make a, like a ton of sense if, if, if it ends up playing out that way? It would make sense, but I don't think the Giants are going to fire Brian Dable unless something weird happens uh, before the end of this year. The reason I don't think they'll fire him is because John Mara made it a huge point when he... Uh, when he handed the reins to Joe Shane as general manager from the Bills, and when he hired this head coach, that they're not going to make the same mistake that they've made in the past, which is to be knee-jerk. And this is an absolute, total, unequivocal debacle of a year. We all see it. However, however, I think that the teams in the NFL that make the biggest mistakes are the teams. And I wrote about it just this week. I I understand why Josh McDaniels has to get fired. I get that. But over and over and over again, Mark Davis does the same thing. He hires a coach, maybe hires a general manager, gets pissed off and fires them both. (laughs) Okay. So, so the question is, the question is, as you, as you sort of, try to decide what makes a good football team. What makes a good football team? It starts, in my opinion, with hiring the right people and having patience. And, you know, you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, three coaches uh, in whatever, 60 years. And I'm not saying that everybody has to be that way, but I'm saying that I think I'm right in saying that the Raiders in the same time have had 19. I mean, that's not the way to do things. And so I agree that John Mara has to have, has to have some hard conversations with his head coach after this year. 
and with his general manager after this year. Why did you leave yourself so short at the quarterback position? Why didn't you hire Carson? Why didn't you sign Carson Wentz when he was on the street begging for a job? What are we doing playing Tommy DeVito for the last half of this season or however long he plays? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Those are the conversations that need to be had. But I do not favor them firing him, and I doubt he, I doubt they will. Yeah, that's uh, that's good insight insight there. Uh, one of the most interesting games from this past weekend: Browns and Ravens. You know, you you just look at the, the yeah. Ravens, and they seem like they're in a pretty good spot in that division. But man, I just pulled up the schedule. What they've got coming up here: Bengals this weekend. They've still got a date with the Jags. They got the Chargers. They got the Forty ers the Dolphins, and the Steelers to close it out. Uh, what's your read yeah. on, on the AFC North? Obviously, massive win for the Browns. Ravens still atop the division, but man, it's going to be a tough, tough slog for them. If you look at the Ravens' season so far, you look at two games, the game in Pittsburgh that they lost at the end and the game in Baltimore that they just lost to Cleveland, uh, almost as inexcusably as the Bills' loss was Mm. last night. And you just say to yourself, if they even play normal football at the end of those two games, Pittsburgh and – and Cleveland, they would be unbeaten in the division. They would easily have the inside track on home field through the playoffs. But instead, now they're fighting for their lives and may not even win the division. And and look, I, I'm a huge Lamar Jackson backer and everything, but I'll tell you, he played poorly at the end of two huge games. And so I think he, he single-handedly – uh, you know, took himself out of the MVP running on Sunday with that game. Uh, it, it was, you know, it, 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 the end of that game was awful. So, look, the amazing thing about their schedule, you know, the Cleveland, the Baltimore schedule, is that they now have five, five days, their two biggest games of the year, Cleveland at home and then Cincinnati at home. And if you look at, you know, coming back and playing Cincinnati, you know, both of those teams really stepped in it on Sunday and they desperately need to win on a short week game. So I'm actually going to that game and I am really excited to see who can put an absolute nightmare behind them, the Bengals or the Ravens. Yeah, it's uh, that point in the season where on every broadcast you're going to get the standings page and you got the division leaders, you got the playoff yeah. teams, and you got the in the hunt teams. Like that's where we're at uh, as we head towards uh, week 11. Peter, always a pleasure. Thanks, man. All the best to you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. Peter King, NBC Sports Football Morning in America. Before we get to the Wake and Rake, yeah. The Bills. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say quickly on the playoff note thing. They also, I I don't know if they only do this in like big election years, but they Uh have in the past brought uh, old khakis himself, Steve Kornacki to the mic to do it. I'm a little okay on that. A little here, a little there on it, but his chaotic energy is uh, sometimes welcome. So that's all I think of when you mention it is that they really, really go for it there. They do. I think Kornacki would look at the Bills and he would look at next week against the Jets, who they've already lost. A lot of problems here. There's a lot to be saying. Yeah. Then they go to Philadelphia. Then the bye week. Hard to lose ground there. Uh, But then return from the bye. Go to Arrowhead. Mm. Does that seem like a place that that should be fun for this team? 
I get it. Chiefs offense less doesn't fun look... than playing them in Germany. I think. Well, and I know they beat them during the regular season last year. Blah 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 blah. A lot, a lot has changed. Uh, and then Dallas and Dak, you're right. Man, great comparison. Dak and Josh Allen. Got to give it up to you when you get Peter King saying great, great comparison. Yep. I'm just, I am a, I'm a football savant. There it is. Mm-hmm. Proven. Uh, and then you go to LA to play a Chargers team. Okay. That can light it up at least. And yes. boy, if I have one question about this Bills team, I get it. Like there's, mi- again, mitigating factors mm-hmm. on the defensive sure. side of Milano, the ball. Trey White. Yep. Why can't they I'd- score? Well, I mean, this has been the qualm with Josh Allen the whole time. I mean, you brought up Dable. It was a good pull by you as well. I'm not the only one who can make yeah, yeah, salient yeah. points to, to Peter King there. But part of the thing with Dayball was, mm, is Josh Allen taking steps or is Dayball doing the Kyle Shanahan and pushing the buttons? And mm-hmm. obviously that was always overstated. But you lose an OC you were super comfortable with. And, you know, I know I know the guy they had following suit there, pretty good relationship with Ken Wisdom, but it's not the same as uh, it was under Dable. Nobody can look at it and say it is. No, it's not the same. Anyways, things could very easily spiral out of control for a Bills team that was basically handed a victory yesterday. I thought it was insane at the end of that game yes. that Sean Payton, who, by the way, got to give him credit uh, for a guy that, Yeah, and honestly, who got themselves off the mat but with like 20 seconds left with no timeouts Mm -hmm. on third down to take a knee because you felt confident in running your field goal unit out onto the field, that almost cost you the game. Like, Mm -hmm. you can't convince me otherwise that that unit being as rushed as they were onto the field wasn't the direct result of missing the field goal and then gifted the penalty on the side of the the Buffalo Bills. I also noticed Peter uh, didn't have any quibbles about the Sean McDermott part of the uh, coaching change equation there. (laughs) You know why? Because Sean McDermott (laughs) is going to be waving goodbye. Like, yeah, I, I, sure. Ken Dorsey's going to be tossed overboard as well. Like, you can do them both. He's going to be a great defensive coordinator. Like, we have seen this movie before. Yeah. All right, time now for the Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. We got hockey on Sportsnet tonight, 7 o'clock. The Bruins in Buffalo taking Mm, on the Sabres. Yeah. uh, And it is the Bruins... Naturally, heavy favorites despite being on the road. Minus 143. The total is six. The under paying plus money. Plus 103. Uh, Boston combining with its opponent to put up more than six goals in only three of 14 games this season. The Bruins. Mm -hmm. Lock it down. They absolutely do. I love the under in this this game. Yeah, I'm there, especially the fact that you get it at plus money. Uh, if you want to lean on the game as a whole, just take the Bruins on the money line. It's minus 143. That's not crazy to pay at all for a team that is as loaded and rolling like this Bruins team is. So give me the Bruins money line, but for sure under as well at plus 105. All Canadian affair in Montreal tonight on Sportsnet West at 7 o'clock. The Canadians hosting the Flames who are going through some turmoil of their own. Um, but are favored in a hockey game against an upstart Canadians team? Like, I, I don't know. I, the, the Flames as favorites, that doesn't seem, that seem, it doesn't seem very good. In fact, the numbers would suggest it hasn't mm-hmm. gone very well. They're three and five as a favorite this season. I, I, I think if you're going to bet this one, I, my lean is the, the plus money with the Canadians. Yeah, that's what you, ha- you have to do. Just take it on the money line there. Uh, yeah, plus 120, you get it. I, I'm, I'm right with you. And uh, lastly, some basketball on Sportsnet 1. 7.30 tonight, Spurs Thunder. Spurs, one of the worst defensive teams in all of the NBA. The total is 239 and a half. This is one of those games that 
I, I'm rooting for points. Over. Yeah. Give me the over. I love a number like that, and I love betting the over. Yeah, and they're both top 10 in, in pace in the league. Uh, as you mentioned, Spurs, very, very porous. Thunder can fill it up. So, yeah, give it to me. Give me the over. Who doesn't love rooting for an over? And that was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. When we come back, we'll talk to Alvin Williams. Is the Raptors complete? Their fourth biggest comeback in franchise history against the lowly Wizards. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.